Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society is seven grand. We had infused spirits in the house based right here in Los Angeles. They tasted us on their infused bourbon, their infused rye, and their infused cast strength bourbon, which means they're putting staves in a big tank with the whiskey that they buy from Kentucky. Seth Binheim, founder, was in the house to walk us through it all. Check out the podcast, tell your friends, and remember, always enjoy responsibly, which means be in a place that's warm and dry, not out in the rain. Come on, come on, we need your help, come on, come on. <laughs> I'm just trying to put away my contact lenses. That was all right. It's all good. Welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. Thank you guys for braving the rain in Los Angeles. It's, we're terrible in Los Angeles. It starts to rain and people forget how to drive. It's like, it's like, a, it's like everyone starts driving like five miles per hour around here. Or else they don't, they don't have any concept of how to drive in the rain at all. They just drive at normal speed and they wonder why they're crashing into things. Uh, it's, it's true, it's true. We're, we're not very acclimated to, to the rain here. But ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a local producer in the house tonight, which is really exciting. We have Infused Spirits, and their founder, Mr. Seth Binheim, is here in the house. So give it up for Seth. So tell us the story about this brand. Now, you guys have only been on the market for almost two years now, is that right? We're just closing in on three and a half, actually. Okay, okay. Just closing in on three and a half. And there's a secret in your name. So when I asked you, I was like, ooh, I want to come see your new distillery because you guys are right down the street here in downtown Los Angeles. Right. You were like, well, actually, we don't have a distillery. And that's where the name comes in. So can you explain? You guys don't have a distillery. So how are you getting this juice for these bottles here? So Infused Spirits, the name is also as descriptive as it is literal. All we do is infuse. We are not distillers. I think there's thousands of people out there now doing really amazing, incredible hard work, master distillers, craft distillers, and my hat's off to them. They make amazing product. My concept and where my passion has always lied has been how do I take something great and make it my own? And so what started with a very popular clear spirit that I won't talk too much about. Um, <laughs> vodka. We use it in blending whiskey sometimes. <laughs> it's cool. That, that, that very popular spirit that is uh, collecting dust on the back bar for many years now um, is something that we started out with because my concept, um, I was working in my grandmother's garage and taking vodkas and actually putting fruit inside the bottles and figuring out a recipe where the fruit would uphold and last and stay uh, and actually flavor the alcohol, but also aesthetically look pleasing inside forever and always. And so having that indefinite shelf life was the real ticker for me to unlock that and then I could get this product out onto the shelves and give people real natural infusions at home so they could have that and not have to go to you know some of the most expensive bars in town to get them they could actually have that at home and bring that craft element to everyone everywhere that also allowed you to sneak a little bit of your grandma's vodka as you're putting all that fruit exactly. in there you had to do something with the excess right she was my number one drinking buddy <laughs> I, I won't lie. Yeah. 
So you start off making infused vodka. So what were what, initially, what were the, the your base expressions? What were your first creations? The, the one that got me my first business partner and investor who's actually uh, a master and, and sourcer of single malt scotch whiskey, which I like to equate as like a lot of people learn how to drive on like their grandmother's old Buick. I learned how to drive in a Ferrari when it came to drinking because I was drinking 50 and 60 year old single malt scotch. Uh, some of the best Highland in, and space sides that you could imagine. And so that was my entry into uh, the world of professional trade alcohol. And, and uh, I was 24 years old drinking this stuff. I mean, the whiskey I was drinking was twice my age. So I was just blown away by the whole experience. And from there, we, we just, our palates developed really quickly and we learned the nuances of good to, you know, good whiskey, bad whiskey and everything in between. And I've always had an affinity for whiskey ever since I got into this business. Uh, so while the vodka was really the interesting element of the industry that got me going, it was whiskey that was what I was drinking when I got back home. So it did take a few years, but eventually I did get to finally come out with our own whiskey under the infused name. And because we took the time to really understand not just the industry itself, but our own business, and where we fell in the whole category, um, I was able to figure out, okay, we can infuse whiskeys in an original, distinct way that makes them separate from other brands and other things that are on the market. So, But we're not talking about infusion in the same way that you were infusing your vodkas with no, fruits and flowers. Different. This is kind of in the tradition of what might be considered like boisset in, in the rum world or uh, dosage, where yeah. you're, you're essentially using oak as your infusion, which is, in whiskey terms, you're already getting a lot of oak flavors from the whiskey just being in the barrel. So you're playing with that idea and kind of taking it to a different level. Correct. Where did you learn how to blend? Like, how do you just like figure out like, oh, this many staves in a barrel makes it taste great, as opposed to this many makes it taste like something terrible, you know? Like, it's easy to over oak a whiskey. So how do yes. you figure out how to do it? And we've done that. We've over-oaked and we've had to blend our way back to something that was a little bit more palatable, or at least what we thought would be palatable for the markets and the places we were trying to get this whiskey. So we, like with all things I've done, it's been trial and error. It's all trial and error. So is this the right proof? Is this the right amount of oak? Does this oak give off a nuttier flavor or a sweeter flavor? Is it too woody? on the mm -hmm. back end, or, or is it just falling flat and not really lasting um, on the tongue quite long enough? And so uh, for anyone that knew me back in the day, uh, the, the, the suffering we had to go through when it came to um, trying the vodkas, we did the same exact process, except it was not nearly as bad. We had a lot of rancid bad things when we were testing vodka, cucumber, fresh cucumber in a bottle over time. Not good. Uh, oats and honey, really gross. <laughs> you know, you're getting stuff in your teeth. It's just not an experience that you would enjoy. But with whiskey, um, it was a much different experience. It was the, the hardest part, I think, was finding the base. It wasn't the oak combinations, but really finding a whiskey that had a good enough starting point. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people right now are finding whiskey from MGP. Mm -hmm. and Midwest Grain Products, located in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Yeah. Formerly a Seagram's plant, responsible for bringing some of the best rye whiskey in the world to market in the last 15 years. We like to think of uh, Larry Ebersol as being the guy who's the greatest 
masters still that you've never heard of before. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's then, paying yeah. me. There's the difference. And truth be told, our truth be told, oh, our no. vodka actually comes from MGP, um, and we've been using that for the last six years. We do run it through an ozone filter, but. Okay, so how does that work? What's the ozone filter? How does that work? It lowers our methanol content, parts per million, to the lowest possible um, traceable amount. And so you get this really clean uh, vodka taste. But with whiskey, we wanted to try something different. So we didn't want to do what, you know, there's so much MGP whiskey on the market. So the challenge was to find some other source of whiskey that would have a lot of character and depth and, and was also something that we wouldn't, feel terrible. It wasn't like a 10 or 12 year old whiskey that we would feel really guilty about bastardizing with all these oaks and just changing it so far from what its original intent was and had spent so much time in the barrel already. So what you're, what you've got in your glass now, I believe is the bourbon. Okay. bourbon. Stephanie, yes. Yeah, 95. Bourbon. So this is our 95 proof and the name of this, just like the brand itself, is called Broken Barrel. Okay. And the story behind our, our bourbon concept was to break barrels and actually put the wood in the whiskey, not the whiskey in the wood, to do the reverse of what every other brand essentially does, which is just put a bunch of distilled whiskey and let it sit and age over time in oak. Um, and with the surface area of the oak that's uh, inside the barrel touching and interacting with the whiskey, there's a limitation to that and obviously a ceiling. Um, you know, the smaller the barrel, the more surface area you're going to get interacting with the oak. But we found that with using the entire staves, which are the slats that make up a barrel between the rings and the, the head and the butt of the barrel, you'll actually get a tremendous amount, amount more of surface area interacting with the oak, including parts, you know, especially for used barrels, parts that have never actually touched whiskey and never been in contact with. So it's almost like you're getting new and used barrel um, interaction with the actual whiskey. So uh, it definitely requires a little bit of um, filtration at the end. So we do a once-through carbon filter before we, before we put the, the whiskey in the bottle. But you are getting tremendous amounts of flavor from a stave relative to just a second barreling. Okay, so you broke up a bunch of whiskey barrel staves and threw them into a barrel of whiskey no into a steel tank so oh, we, steel we, tank we empty so what we do is we get a six to nine month old kentucky bourbon from uh owensboro kentucky well, if it's only six to nine months old then it's not bourbon yet um not kentucky bourbon not kentucky it's bourbon not which is a year bourbon. and a day right it's not a straight bourbon at all no okay and you, don't, you won't see straight on our label uh, but six months in a new american oak container uh, would constitute it as just bourbon, nothing, nothing more to it than that. Not straight, not not a bottle traditional bond bourbon or, mash bill. Exactly. And you guys are getting this from which distillery in Kentucky? You're not buying it from Owens, MGP. Um, Owensboro. Uh, there's only one distillery in Owensboro. Uh, it was the former uh, Charles Medley Distillery that did Medley Bros. Um, now called Oz Tyler, a producer that is really making a comeback. They've had tremendous investment over the last couple of years, and you'll start to see their products a lot more on the market. Uh, they have just recently, in the back half of 2018, launched their own product, um, which is essentially the same base spirits as ours. Um, what's interesting about uh, that company is they have a rapid aging process. 
Um, it's called the TerraPure process. And what they do is they basically, in summary, pressure, pressure wash whiskey through um, a really high pressured machine with staves inside of it already and try to rapid age the whiskey, which is something that there is a patented process. They hang their hat on it. They actually put TerraPure process on the, in big letters on the front of their OZ Tyler bourbon uh, and rye. But all of that is dramatically overshadowed by our process, which is stick a boatload of whiskey, or a boatload of barrels, uh, staves, into the actual tanks and override that flavor to the point where the whiskey is uh, on the bottom half of it. And this was a funny story. It's so dark, it's almost black, like coffee. And so we have this 2,000 liter uh, tank filled up with the bourbon that we got. And we had just done a bunch of trials in two liter and three liter sizes. And we create this 2,000 liter version of it following the recipe and ratio with what we had created in our offices, in our lab. And we get some whiskey out of the bottom, and it's black. I mean, it's just straight black. And we're like, oh, shit, we burnt it. We, like, we, over, we over-oaked it. This stuff looks like coffee. And then we have like, wait, 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 wait. Let's get some from the top and see what's going on. Because it's something you can't see inside. So we scoop some out of the top, and we hoist it up, and we look at it. And it's like kind of light you know, straw color. Mm-hmm. They go, oh, we need to agitate this a little bit. So what we do is we hook up a um, power hose just to the air compressor with a nine liter extension, or sorry, nine foot extension, shove it into the tank and actually agitate the whiskey into this whiskey jacuzzi that's bubbling up. Um, and it's when my we, favorite kind of jacuzzi it's, ever. It's the only jacuzzi, it's the only jacuzzi I'd wanna, you know, jump into head first, but it's, um, it was this experience that we really truly thought we had completely batched thousands of dollars of, of investment into whiskey on our first try and I was sitting there going, I think I've, I, maybe I should stick to vodka or something, but the result uh, was phenomenal. We did add a little bit of uh, water. Obviously, the water in Nevada comes from Lake Mead. So you have this uh, Colorado Rocky runoff water that's coming down. It's hard water. And we use that to bring it down to proof. Uh, in this case, what you have in front of you is 95 proof. My personal theory is whiskey should be over 90%, or 90 proof uh, all the time. <laughs> I drink 40, 40% 80 proof now is like water to me, and is that's that's mixing whiskey in my opinion. Everyone but. has their own uh, their own <laughs> taste. So how long are you resting it in that stainless steel tank? Uh, so we change that time period based on time of year. Right now in Vegas, it's anywhere from uh, 40 to 50 degrees during the day, and anywhere from you know it can get down to 30 at night uh, to 50 degrees at night during the summer. Gets up to 125 during the day. And I've been there during that time. It, it almost chokes you when you go outside. Um, and it's a very different, very dry heat, uh, very used to what I experienced in college. I was in Arizona. And so you have this really warm environment. And what we learned from in the vodka days was that infusions are going to happen rapidly in heat. It's a catalyst that actually creates that effect of um, ripping the, you know, the hotter the actual tank itself is, in the facility, the, the quicker it's going to infuse or, or macerate or finish or however you want to phrase it. We like the word infuse a lot. Right. So it's um, the name of the brand, Infused so, Spirits, right? So we, we, we found that our vodkas were, like, were uh, infusing almost immediately when it was in the middle of summer. But during the colder months, it would 
take a little time for the color to really settle in, color being one of the main indicators that let us know when a spirit was ready. Uh, and very similarly with the whiskey, we also do all of the infusing and macerating with the oak staves. We do that at uh, cast strength, regardless of whether we're bottling at that proof because the alcohol is gonna rip a little bit more of that flavor off the oak at a higher proof. So Stephanie just passed around a few staves. Are these examples of the kind of staves you'll actually put inside of your barrel or which? Correct, this, this, here, this here is exactly what we're using. So as you can see, um, this particular stave happens to be from a wine barrel, something that we are gonna get to taste in just a few minutes here. So um, yeah, you can see the crystals from the sugar in the wine. If you look really closely, this, this stave is sparkling. This is not a whiskey stave. Usually the whiskey staves are really dark black. This has got a, like a ruddy red color to it. And you smell it, you still get the oakiness, but you'll see, see these crystals that are shimmering in the light. Those are the, the sugars from the wine. And you can actually look at the side of the stave and see how deep that wine got into the oak. So you can see it's almost, I would say, three quarters of an inch possibly into there. It's about halfway through the thing. Yeah, almost. about halfway through if you look closely. And so what that tells me is that there's a lot of flavor trapped inside this wood. There's a lot of sugar. Um, the nice thing, so going back to the bourbon that you're drinking, the, you know, every whiskey has a mash bill. Mash bill being the grains used to make the whiskey. Um, our mash bill for this bourbon is a 75% corn, 21% or high rye bourbon with a 4% malted barley. Malted barley typically being added for the enzymatic properties and helping ferment the, the uh, grains into alcohol. And so the other part about infused with our bourbon is we have an oak bill. Our oak bill is 40% uh, French oak, 40% used bourbon cask, meaning that we have not new American oak containers, which is the, the, the piece you have to have to be a bourbon, but we use used barrels. I've seen barrels come through our warehouse from Dickel. I've seen uh, barrels, you know, we've actually got barrels back from OZ Tyler themselves. Um, it, it, it varies depending on which whiskey, but we try to use a blend of used oak barrels so that we really get a different um, array every single time. Interesting. So you guys are based here in Los Angeles. You've got your storage warehouse out in Vegas. That's the bottling facility. Oh, the so bottling we bottle, facility. we bottle in Vegas all the spirits, and here in Los Angeles we have a new facility. We just moved downtown. Oh no. Opa. <laughs> uh, so here in LA we have the uh, infusory, and that's a concept that I came up with about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and that's going to be the tasting room for the brand and as well as the production facility for our bitters, which is something else we do. So it's not just vodka, it's not just whiskey. We have uh, eight different kinds of alcoholic uh, bitters, which we promote for cocktail use, for cooking, baking, uh, coffee. We have a lot of different ideologies around how bitters can and should be used. Um, I sprayed my food, my dinner last night, I was making some Asian stir fry and I was spraying it with ginger bitters while cooking, just to give it a little bit of a kick, so. Well, this is a really interesting bourbon. To me, the mouthfeel is really, really soft. Like it's got, that oak is really rounded out, that extra infusion, I'm guessing. But you said you also did an additional filtration after 
the infusion once through yeah and that's uh the paper sediment filter or carbon filter carbon carbon, carbon filter. filter once passed through and that's really to get the sediment off as i was saying the oak bill those used uh bourbon the used bourbon staves have a really dusty sort of um chalky uh, texture and as you're touching it you're going to notice your hands are going to get a little dirty uh, and it's going to come off and so it leaves a black residue some whiskeys when not filtered, or I guess they're referred to as a cowboy bourbons, um, you'll find that they don't do any filtration whatsoever. So as it comes out of the barrel, you're gonna actually see a little bit of a black cloud or dust uh, residue at the bottom collecting your bottle if you don't move the bottle. And so it's not, it's nothing to, it's not gonna harm you or anything like that, but it is just a little bit of residue. We per personally don't like the residue, nothing against, I drink plenty of the cowboy style bourbons, but I think the once passed through because of you're getting the outside of the barrel as well, and that's not nearly as clean as the inside, which is you know pretty much burnt uh, before whiskey was put in there the first time, and then obviously getting in that barrel the second time. Okay, but at looking at this stave, is this an actual stave from the, the OC this Tyler? One's been, this is our show. This is not from OC Tyler. No, okay. this is a show one that we this is, around. This is a really, really smooth char. This is like been a number handled. two, well, this is, not a number four char. No. Okay, no. so this is like a two or a three. It's very, very smooth to the touch. Yeah. Uh, in comparison to a number four char in which you get that alligator skin, which exactly. is like the wood starts to break apart and you get these cell-like looking striations. And we've seen both. And we've used both. Oh, really? Yeah. So you don't, you we'll, don't we'll, have a designation as to whether you're going to only use three char or four char or what have we'll you? We'll take a look and we'll kind of look at the barrels that we can source and we'll, we'll find, I have seen plenty of barrels come through that do have the alligator skin and we, you can literally break off small chunks with your hand, just rip them right off the barrel versus something a little bit smoother like this, which is gonna have, um, and obviously this one's been handled by crowds of people several times, it's our showpiece, but we do have pieces that are a little bit smoother and not as tar charred. Interesting. We also number every batch. Yeah, every batch is numbered, so we can break so that down. How many barrels are you buying per year from Owensboro? From Owensboro, we're buying um, in barrel. We get them in in liters. So we're, last year we did eight thousand five hundred liters of bourbon and four thousand liters of rye, and we only did one batch of rye, so we're still on batch one. So about um, twelve thousand bottles was your output last year exactly. of whiskey. How many are you gonna put out this year? This year, whiskey, so <laughs> right now we've got the three whiskeys here tonight. We'll end the year with seven whiskey products on the market. How many bottles total? Um, anywhere from- You're scaling up from last year, I assume. Oh, massively, massively. Uh, because we're doing a private, uh, not a private, a limited edition, uh, our highest price product called the Single Oak Series, it's a, Age product, it'll be four years old and essentially exactly 300, uh, sorry, 3,300 cases uh, of that product alone. That's a cast strength single oak series. In addition to that, our actual bourbon line and our rye line, we will have probably 6,000 to 7,000 nine liter cases go out. So in our six pack case, we have probably close to 15,000. So ramping up rapidly, but still a really, really small output at this point. Yeah, compared, compared to, to the big boys, yeah, like, not even you know, close. Jim B can drop that out at their back door. No, no, we're tiny. Yeah, yeah. no, we're, we're, so the company's only been around since uh, 2015. I was still working out of my grandmother's garage. So 
we've only been around. Uh, as you can see a face in the back who helped me. Uh, that bearded man is your grandmother? Uh, not quite, but he was a regular over at the garage, so he helped us uh, get to where we are today. Yeah, he would drive, we would walk around and sell this to bars and restaurants around LA. Sounds our... very, very illegal. Um, Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie uh, just passed around the second expression, and this is the rye. And again, is this at 95 proof? No, the rye is going to be at 105 proof, 52 and a half percent. Ah, now we're talking. We're All, right. Into All right. All right. Now, now we're speaking my language. And one here. trick, one trick I learned recently is when you're handed a when you're handed a glass of stemware, the automatic wine drinker and you is going to want to swirl it and swirl it. As you get over 100 proof, I've found that the alcohol vapors will sit pretty high on the glass. And as you go to smell it, you can actually kind of alter and mess up your, your nose buds a little bit. So I like to blow a little bit into the glass and just kind of get rid of that vapor and let the, the alcohol stop swirling for a second. So when you are tasting this, you do, if you are swirling real heavily, you're just releasing a lot of that alcohol vapor. And so a quick blow into the glass will just kind of dissipate that a little bit. So you can really cut through and smell. And obviously these are really nice tasting glasses. So. Yeah, we have much of a problem, these nice little tulip glasses, which will really focus the odors right up into your nose. So go slow. If you're just smelling alcohol, you're not wrong. You're just going too fast. And so just you, slow it down. Yeah, where are you getting your rye from? Or the... Owensboro. Owensboro. Same. Yeah, so, so OZ same. Tyler. The bourbon, the rye. The OZ, the the OZ Tyler Distillery, which is also still making the Medley Brothers, because Medley yes. Brothers is still out there. But Correct. now they, they source it from their own former distillery, which is a very old distillery in Kentucky, one of the oldest. The, I know, Peerless is a is separate that, distillery. Okay. I've yeah. been to Peerless, another fantastic whiskey maker. So what you have here are two different expressions from the same distillery, right? And was this have does this rye whiskey have that terrapure process going it on does. as well? Same exact so thing. So a new proprietary cheat. If, yeah. I won't say it's a cheap, but it's something that is new to the industry. The idea and that you can speed up uh, the aging process. So yeah. you're telling me that it's one year, nine months old or whatever. Well, if yeah. you went through that terrapure process, who knows what that equates to in terms of the actual flavor profile, what it tastes like yeah. as to a traditional whiskey done without the terrapure, where, where those two things fall in line, you know? Yeah. I think it, 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 re it reminded me a lot of what you see if you do the tour at like Lost Spirits, which is another uh, company here in downtown Los mm -hmm, Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have a lot of people trying to innovate with ways of rapid aging and right. applying science to the actual art side of, of making whiskey. Yeah, um, so Lost Spirits is doing crazy things, shooting infrared rays into a lights, vacuum There's like a bright light and you need glass, yeah. no, it's a whole thing. And then, but and then Green Bar, which is your neighbors over there too, exactly. they're doing some cool stuff. They have their six woods. Exactly. So using six different types of wood, putting it into a big, huge vat and basically kind of doing their own version of an infusion, but in a big exactly. marrying ton. So a lot of new approaches to try to right here a, in downtown yeah, right and that's what i think we, we, that's where we fit in too because i think there's a lot of innovation in la we don't have the 100 plus 200 year history of of uh kentucky behind us so we have to be innovative and we have to be able to say our whiskey is great and it's new and it's different because and to explain that and have a reason and sort of a, a story behind it sure. is what and if the whiskey itself is good, in fact, then people can really get behind it and really enjoy it. 
and and say this is from my hometown. This is from L.A. where I grew up. So at least it was finished here, or it was played with here. Um, so you guys, if you have any of the first whiskey still left from that first taste, smell them side by side. Use your notebooks and try to discern the differences because you first had a bourbon, which you said it was a rye, traditional mash bill. It does have rye in the mash bill uh, yeah. of your bourbon. But this is rye whiskey, which means it has to be at least 51% rye, okay? So can you detect the differences between something that's like 15, 13% rye and something that's over 51% rye? Stick your nose in that glass, tap some over your tongue, and see what are the differences between bourbon and rye? What are you getting? There's a great nose of coconut. 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 And you didn't get that on the bourbon so much. And the first one I got like that dusty oak on the nose. Yeah. And there was a little bit of mintiness, which made me believe that it was like a rye mash bill bourbon. Mm -hmm. But this doesn't have that. This is much fruitier to me on the nose. It, I'm it's, getting a banana bread almost. Um, I guess some like cherry note in here yeah. too. Yeah. Cherry and caramel. Chives? Interesting. All right. All right. All right. You're not wrong. Everyone's everyone's experience is different. Obviously, these are going to be higher in sugar because of the amount of oak we add. And if you think about oak being a tree and trees have sap and with all things that you cook, uh, if you were to grill onions, right, the more you grill them, the sweeter they're going to taste until they're completely caramelized. And the same concept with oak when you're burning it and lighting it on fire and just hitting it with that flamethrower to char it you're releasing those sugars, and the more you burn it, the more sugars release, and the more flavors are gonna be unlocked within the whiskey. And so, because we're putting in um, these different oak, uh, oak bills, the same oak bill is applied, which is the interesting part of this whole thing, the same oak bill is applied to the rye as is the bourbon, which is a 40% ex-bourbon cask, 40% French oak, new with a medium char, and 20% Oloroso sherry, which I meant to get to, earlier as I was commenting. You remind me of something being oaked in sherry or like, you know, cherry. Mm -hmm. And I was gonna say that. That's and the, you said walnut too. So walnut yeah. to me usually means French oak. When I get those yeah. black walnut notes, Which is in it's there. a European yeah. oak. So yeah. that's what you're getting. 40, so, but what 20. else are you guys getting? As you tap this over your tongue, share some food words. It's a community forum. Ooh, dill and lemon. I, I can smell that lemon. But in, for me, the first one was really round and soft. This one's got a much drier mouthfeel. To me, yeah. it's like much more, uh, it, it really, really more Rips. tannic on your tongue. But you guys, of course, are not adding any sugar to this after the fact or anything like that. That's the only thing. Only the natural sugars anything. that are in the wood. We never add anything to our spirits, period. And that goes for the vodkas as well. So if you were to try our lemon vodka, it's completely separate from all other lemon vodkas because we're not adding, a, a, it has zero grams of sugar, essentially. Our peach vodka has fructose sugar, which naturally is expelled from the fruit itself, mm -hmm. which is dried before going in. So oh, wow. we love the fact that our spirits are not overly sweetened uh, beyond you know what you would expect, and there's no caramel coloring or anything added to it as well. I really like this rye whiskey. That, that citrus comes across really, really nicely on yeah. the finish. It's really like light on the finish. It's very unique. I think that the, the Oloroso, for me, I, li I like to try and envision what each oak is doing to the whiskey. And so I think the ex-bourbon adds the sweetness. I always think the French oak adds the woody component, especially because it's uh, new oak and it's been charred. And I always think that the fruit or the citrus is coming from 
more than anything the Oloroso, even though it's a smaller quantity, that that the age and time that the wine, the uh, fortified wine is spent uh, in the barrel that's imparted into the oak is then coming back to life when it goes into a new liquid and can expel itself back out. Now, if I was going to buy a bottle from my home bar, what is the bottle price in my local liquor store on the bourbon and in the rye? Can I ask you to guess? Um, no. $29.99 for the bourbon and the rye. Even That's though the, very affordable. Yeah, my, we don't do a lot of marketing. Um, we don't, I don't buy magazine ads, I don't buy billboards, I don't buy yet. TV yet. ads yet. Well, yet. yeah, but my whole concept is bring people, a you know, I could charge $50 a bottle, but then spend $20 trying to get you to buy it, or I could just charge you $30 out the door yeah. and, and get it sold, get it sold exactly. and give people the impulse to say, I'm going to try this craft spirit and give it, uh, give it a chance. And so, I like that rye whiskey a lot. For $30 a bottle, that's quite a, good quite deal, a complex I th we, we think, yeah. No, I think, I, think, uh, I think you can expect truly uh, the prices of everything we make to stay more in line. Because as we grow, we expect the, the economies of, of, the, of the, the raw materials to go down as we scale up. So as we do grow as a company and as a brand into, you know, our, our fill our shoes, so to speak, we'll, we'll have uh, lower costs on things. And, We'll get our margins eventually, but right now it's... Oh, okay. So let's see. Stephanie just came around. Stephanie came around with the third mic, and the third mark is the cast strength. Third mark is our cast strength broken barrel. It is very limited distribution right now. It has not been a lot made, uh, predominantly because we try to give it a little bit of water and get it out as the 95 proof. It's a lot more expensive for us to do it without adding any water. The yield is obviously lower and the cost you know, is higher. So this will be a $39.99 on the shelf. Uh, but what you'll get for that extra 10 bucks is a full strength whiskey. So 58% right out of the barrel. Um, cast strength by definition has to be within, I believe one to one and a half percent or 2% of the actual strength coming right out of the barrel, not, a, not any lower or higher. So you have to record that. And so what we have is we do take it down about a half a percent we do get it at 58.5, take it down to 58 even, just so that we can not, because it's not single barrel. Cast strength means as strong as it comes out of the cask is what they put into the bottle. Okay. Yeah, and you're allowed, I think, a tolerance of half a percent to one and a half, two percent. Is it one percent? So we use it, we, we take it down about a half a percent, just so that, because, and the reason is, is actually interesting, uh, single barrel, is commonly goes hand in hand with cast strength. And because of that, people are handwriting in the exact uh, proof or, or percentage. So you'll, that's where you'll see 43, or sorry, 58.6 or you know 51.02 or some kind of obscure number that will vary. If you start picking through the bottles on the shelf, you may find one in the back that's a different, um, different strength from a different barrel or a different batch. Yeah. So when you started off speaking, what what are your in, like influences? Like we were talking about your grandmother's. Uh, like, what was the juice you had to start off? Like, what got you into it? Um, I always had a sort of academic affinity for for alcohol in college. Instead of a, we had a hundred square foot room in our dorm, and I decided we could put a desk. Where was that? U of A. Uh, oh, 
the University of Arizona. So I. Yes. Where, where students have alcohol labs in their dorm rooms, right? Yes. yes, I was the guy. It's, this is very, it's a very Arizona. I cold called uh, my buddy's dad, actually, who's uh, been in the scotch whiskey industry for a little over 30 years now. Um, and he's been an importer and trader of um, independent scotch. So essentially, he's an independent bottler. Uh, he'll buy and seek out barrels from distilleries that we all know and love, you know, Bruch Ladich, and um, he'll get, you know, what, any number of McAllen, Glenlevitt, all that. And what he'll do is he was um, just at the forefront of launching his business into his own independent bottler, very much like Chieftains or Signatory. Um, he was doing his as Alexander Murray. And so I just met him as he was transitioning from private label to independent bottling of scotch. And so we just hit it off. And, and he liked that I was so passionate about just whiskey and alcohol and vodka in general. So he took me under his wing, taught me everything I knew at the time. And from there, the business really flourished. But my influence has always been give people a reason. Yeah. You know, I always felt that it was important to give people a reason to drink something. If a bottle's on the shelf, it should have a purpose and a reason. Uh, on our bottle, it says made with passion and purpose. No, because you can't, I, I don't like the concept of, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I always felt that there was a, a lack of innovation and that, you know, if, if Ciroc came out with a peach vodka, then overnight you would see everybody else come out with a peach vodka and they're you could just see them sitting around a boardroom going, how do we make this taste and be exactly like Ciroc peach vodka, yeah. but for $5 less or $4 less or $2 less. And that was really um, apparent in the flavor profiles as you tasted through those, those spirits. And so for me, I wanted to give someone a visual reason to buy something that said it was infused um, because you had a Hangar One vodka at thirty dollars, and you had a you know yeah. a, a yep. other vodka at twenty. Yep. Let's jump yeah. to thirty, but give me a reason why. Yeah. I wanted this. I didn't want to just write it in a piece of text. I wanted to show people. So putting the lemon in the vodka was my concept that got me really into the whole infusion world. Um, but yeah, that was my passion. Essentially, was always giving a purpose and a reason for it. Do you want to start a distilling yourself, or in the future? Uh, yeah, I'd love to do that if we can grow yeah. more and more. I think that's something that's definitely in the cards. Um, so you guys all have the calf strength in your hands. Stick your nose in that glass. Breathe in gently through your mouth because this is calf strength. And then tap it over your tongue and tell me what are you reminded of as you taste this infused spirits calf strength bourbon. This, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, like it reminds me, like, this yeah. is akin to uh, the Calvin 21 final, which has a butterscotch nose to it. Your nose reminds me Definitely getting butterscotch. There's no doubt about it. Has like a yeah. Werther's, Werther's original yes. uh, on the back end as you, as you let it linger. What are you guys getting back there? I want to hear from the ladies. What? Yes, because because I'll tell you why. No, I, because most professional tasters. No, no, honestly, within the industry, most professional tasters are women because women are better at smelling and tasting than men are, for the most they part. Are. It's true. 
there. It's okay. There's no wrong answers. Pecan pie. Yeah, what do you smell? I do smell kind of like a butterscotch. Okay. Good, good. And now tap it over your tongue. And how does that experience change? So your nose might lead you in one direction, but that, how does it surprise you when you get it on your tongue? I get, I get like a movie on the nose, movie popcorn when I was a kid. That's funny. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's, um, it's way drier than I expected. It's going to mm -hmm. be just like, Gorgeous. Really, really a little good. less water, obviously. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry to be redundant, but the bourbon you said is a high rye mash bill, right? It is 21% okay. rye. rye. So same same mash bill, same exact bourbon as the Broken Barrel 95 proof. We just let that have extra 11% alcohol, extra 22%. Uh, That's quite good. I like staying, that a lot. Stay in there. Because you can add your own, you know, you can add a cube of ice or you can add, um, when we do our tasting room here in downtown, we're going to have water guns at every table. So you can squirt it with a little bit of water and bring it down uh, yeah. ever so slightly to so the proof you like. If you want to try that experiment, you can stick your finger into your water glass and just add a single drop of water to your tasting portion. And you'll see that it dramatically changes the, not only the flavor, but the mouthfeel itself. So think of texture, think of architecture, think of texture, and, um, and, and what food words or what colors you're reminded of as you tap that whiskey over your tongue. Lauren, what do you get? You got pecan pie on this one too? Okay. Yeah, beautiful. So the thing that's most compelling for me is <laughs> that um, most of the time, if you guys were to get distillery samples, if we just got the normal from a typical, not doing this terra pure process, yeah. which is proprietary to OZ Tyler, because I've never heard of that before. Yeah, they've um, got the whole thing going on. If we were to taste a two-year-old or under two-year-old, what was going to someday be a straight bourbon, you would notice often these young whiskeys kind of have a doughy smell to them, where uh, it's like the smell of rising dough as opposed to toast, you know, in the way that there's kind of the barrels cooking the whiskey and a really young whiskey, it gives off these notes somehow that it's not kind of all the way cooked yet, but we're not getting that here. And I'm taking that that's from the infusion that you guys are bringing to the table. It smooths out those doughy notes that might come from an underage bourbon and give it a lot more complexity. Those dark, really tannic notes, like what you're saying, walnut and fig, those are coming from those fringe oak staves. Yes. And, and you get this like big nutty, fruity thing on the finish too, which I, I'm thinking is the Oloroso. Yeah, I think that the balance on the on the finish and that sort of last hint of fruit that you're gonna get is I I have to believe it's coming from the Oloroso, and I've, my experiments have also shown that there's so much sweetness in the ex bourbon because of the whiskey that was in there before that left any sugar behind, plus how toasted that oak was, whether it was a two, three, four uh, level char. Um, you have so much sugar that's coming off into that and that really balances and rounds it out. But then you also have a really oaky flavor from that French oak. And so I'm getting a little umami on the nose too. I almost get like this kind of bacon thing. There's something kind of like a salted meat in there, smoky, Pachuga? salted meat. Pachuga. 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 Have you ever tried putting any organic matter into some of your infusions besides I, like sage yeah. or like things not, like no. or like fruits? In the like whiskey, no, no. I've, I've done I've done plenty of whiskey infusions. I've tried peanuts. I've tried uh, orange and clove and some of the other flavors that we've actually, you know, I've tried to cross over flavors from our vodka line to our whiskey line. Uh, but ultimately, I felt there's, so 
I, I read and I've, I truly believe somewhere that 80% uh, of the flavor in whiskey has to do with the oak and the time it spends in it. Um, but as you, you know, you can only do uh, so much with the distill and the mash bill because, that, you know, if you were to taste a rye vodka versus a wheat vodka versus a corn vodka, for example, you'll get subtle differences 100%. There's no doubt about it. But there's those changes in flavor relative to changes of a two-year-old whiskey versus a 25-year-old whiskey is night and day. And so I, when I read that, it really clicked for me that oak is the secret to making whiskey vary from one bottle to the next. Oh, for and sure. the amounts we use and the types we use give us the uh, instruments that we need to really play a symphony with our whiskeys and actually have this whole uh, array of flavors and nuttiness and fruitiness come to life. And that's the fun part for being an infuser versus a distiller is I get to do all that stuff scot-free and just really have at it, smash barrels and actually create these flavors and profiles, you know, at a, at a whim without waiting years and years and years to see what happens. I get to kind of test and experiment in real time. And that's really fun for me because it allows me to develop and be more creative um, in real time. Okay, well, Stephanie's got a fourth mark for you guys to taste. What is this, Stephanie? I love this uh, bottle. These are always the kind of bottles to go for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you get a bottle and it's got just a piece of tape with some writing on it, that's the one you want to try. That's always the one you want to try, right? What, what is this fourth mark that's coming around right now? So what's coming around is something that we're working on. Uh, this is not off of a production line. This is, as I was mentioning before, some of those uh, original test whiskeys that we do in our lab here in downtown. So I wanted to give you guys a taste of how we go through the process. Um, so I did bring uh, an oak stave that we were looking at earlier, which is a Paso uh, Central Coast California wine barrel that had Cabernet uh, wine inside of it. So this is a Cab Cabernet Sauvignon um, wine, and essentially the whiskey you're tasting, and this is the cool part, this is the exact same bourbon base as our broken barrel with 100% Cabernet cask wine staves only. No French oak, no Oloroso, and no ex-bourbon. Also broken. Also broken. This is, and again, this is a test experiment bottle. So this is how we go Bless through you. the process. So you get to kind of do what we do in our office, which is test and experiment with different oaks. So what I'm really looking for you guys to discover here is how different the oak can make the whiskey taste relative to what you had 20 minutes ago when you were drinking the broken barrel. Thank and you. just looking at the difference not just in color, but in um, overall flavor taste profile. And so that's how you can see the difference of that oak choices and selection can make. And what is this experiment called? We're calling it Cabernet Cask, and it is eventually going to be on the market uh, once we finalize the recipe and get this going. Yeah. Did you say Paso, like Paso Robles? Paso Robles, yeah. Central Coast, California. Paso Robles, yes. This is at 92 proof, so this is just a hair uh, less strong than um, the broken barrel regular. So it's, it just shows you, and it's the exact same base bourbon 
But it's totally, it's totally night and day from the broken barrel. Yeah. So you see the effect that oak really has. It's, it, it changes the palate completely. Yes, yeah, very, very unique. What else are you guys getting off of this one that you weren't getting on the first three? Pine. What'd you say? Okay. Okay. When you say more tannic on the palate, is that a, is that's a texture then? Okay. None of that woodiness that I had from the French oak. I don't think that's there. And the, the middle is almost flat to me. And drinking this, it it tells me a couple things. So as I drink this, I say maybe the proof could be a little higher, potentially. Maybe the incorporation of maybe 5% or 10% of French oak to bring some of the woodiness. This is the process that I go through when I'm trying to decide how I want to make this whiskey. So is this a finished product? Not quite. Is this going to go out to the market? No. But this is how I can make this and, and try it at 85, 90, 100 proof and start to make decisions on how we want to go about infusing a whiskey. And then this is, this is probably step two or three in a probably five-step process of how we're going to figure out what are we going to go to market with. We know that we like the flavors of Cabernet. We love, and no one's doing that. So it fills a white space in the market, and it also has a really unique and distinct uh, flavor, you know, that this it imparts. Is, this is crazy. I, yeah. Okay, so it doesn't taste anything like the way it smells. I'm getting like yeah. very sweet, almost like balsamic vinegar that you drizzle on strawberries. Like balsamic glaze. Yeah. Balsamic glaze. I was trying to get a hold of it. That is exactly what it is, is balsamic glaze. But there's, there is like a sea air thing going on there. There is this like beautiful like minerality to the nose. Like ocean, ocean It doesn't breeze. taste 92 proof though. It tastes like a 40, 45% at most. Honestly, this is, this is kind of like a focus group for me to see everyone's reactions and definitely more positive than I thought. I'm a little bit of a harsh critic on myself, so. So let's talk about that. This is the Cabernet finish. Tap some over your tongue and share some food words. He wants your input. He wants you to share your experience because everyone's palate's different. So you might be able to find something that other people might be kind of blind spotting toward. I know that my palate, it, it goes for like bitter or, or sour things. Other people like sweet and floral things. What are you guys getting on this Cabernet cast finish? Anybody, anybody? I second the honey. Honey, okay. I love the color. The color, you get a red that you don't find in any of the other things we do. It's usually overshadowed. Oh really? So yeah, I get that, that honey, too. That honey vibe? Yeah, meat is definitely I'm a big drinker. Is yeah. I think that's the thing too for us is appealing to the wine palate a little bit more is the goal ultimately and to get people that are drinking a lot of uh, you know red blends or that have like you know the drink a glass of wine a night I'd love to bring that person over with this bottle and it'll have that kind of uh, purple red label color so mm -hmm. I think people will go towards it and see Cabernet and really go oh that's that's interesting, I wanna try that, and I'm hoping that that will be the, the, the effect of having that flavor profile in it. Yeah, I'm getting like plum and banana on the finish. Like a fig, almost. I think I get a little bit of fig on the, on the nose. I don't think it lingers nearly as long as the other ones. So if you look at our rye and our bourbon, 
you're tasting it minutes later and I'm already thirsty again. And there's a dryness to it, I think, that mm -hmm. creates that, but. Yeah, it definitely has a very drying effect on the palate. But this sure, is the fun. Sure. This is the fun for us is creating that conversation of what can we do? And because it's not a finished, you know, if I was a distiller and I just made a product, you know, maybe you'd steal some with a thief and taste it out and say, okay, let's let it rest longer. But you're not really, you don't have quite the same function of what can I add to make this different? And a lot of people aren't, you know, maybe they'll throw it in a second barrel and give it a finishing like a PX cask finish or Madeira cask finish or something. But for us, it's like, I'll throw some staves in there and I'll see what happens. So maybe it'll be 90% Cabernet, 10% French oak. So we can play with it and really tweak, 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 tweak till we get to something that's just mind-blowing and just it's really really cool stuff and the other thing you guys do at the distillery is make bitters so um we're gonna pass around some of these bitters the way that it's a fun way to like test out a bitters and you can do this anytime you go to like um one of those specialty bar stores like barkeep some barkeeper or something like that they usually have testers out what i like to do is i'll just take like a drop these are at barkeeper by the way okay at barkeeper over on sunset sunset junction great bar store joe um and i'll just put a a drop in my palm and then rub your hands together and it really opens up the bitters immediately and like gives you a really really strong hit of what the bitters are all about so check it out um but the two bitters that are created are created by Seth, the sassafras that's going around so that's inspired by a traditional revere and the aromatic bourbon which is our take on the aromatic which is created by mike over here and so the best way to taste it if you're not just solely smelling it is to put it on your the back of your hands if you don't have any lotions or any perfume yeah other things on and then just lick your second with that yeah it's really yeah. you should turn yeah. it into a loop <laughs> <laughs> What I'll say though is we got super lucky with uh, Jez. So I put an I put an ad on Craigslist for uh, said help us make bitters I think and I got a reply from somebody who said I just went to Italy and just tr did an Amaro you know bar hopping frenzy tour of Italy. I said we need to meet and so I brought Jez in and she's uh, I've never met somebody who has such an encyclopedic knowledge of not just Amari and, and, and bitters, uh, which is so funny because it's exactly the job we needed, but she just moved to LA from Chicago. She's actually a lawyer, uh, passed the bar and the whole deal. So, but she's, she's helping us. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. She's adding, she's adding. Student loan the, debt, woo. Yeah, she's totally yeah, knows herself. Yeah, I met Sergey and Escavero, and they were talking about the podcast, and I'm like, wait, is that the talking about the podcast? And I'm like, we want to get you in. So. She's, she's 100% the reason uh, we, we discovered all of this. So we were so excited to have her on board, and she's just elevating the level of our program. And every bottle of bitters you bought from August till now, or, or October till now, has been, Jez made every single bottle. Uh, with so precision really cool. and, and care, so. Right on jazz. <laughs> Women who whiskey, so yeah. right? Can you talk about the sassafras bitters that's going around right now? Yeah, 17 different spices all combined in bottle. Seven, uh, now. Seven. Seven. Oh, seven. New recipe, seven. New recipe, seven. <laughs> Used to be a lot, and we've narrowed it down to the real um, character-driving flavors. And I've, I've let uh, both Mike, uh, Andrew, and Jez, our team, really have complete and utter control over the bitters program because they've, I, I haven't made a bottle in a, a 
few months, <laughs> to say the least. But the idea was when we launched the, the Sassafras bitters, it was actually called root beer bitters. And people were so pigeonholed into thinking it had to be used for a root beer float, alcoholic version of that, or like a root beer old fashioned. And we wanted people to really, you know, we love the, the word Sassafras and the name Sassafras. And we think it really speaks to that because there's a vanilla, cinnamon, sarsaparilla, uh, a lot of anise and licorice flavors. And so it opens up. And when you, we have a spray cap version of this. So I felt it was really interesting to spray a, for a Sazerac cocktail. You can spray the glass before you make the cocktail. And the cost was less than a cent to make one versus pouring, you know, however, like a quarter of an ounce or even just to dump a sassafras, or sorry, a, a absinthe. Absinthe isn't cheap. Absinthe no, is very expensive. So to, to give the, uh, the flavor of anise into a cocktail, to make a play on a Sazerac was kind of cool. So Sassafras, Sazerac was what we were going for when we really introduced all that. Bitters are totally digestivos, and so they have um, a natural property that, that can settle the stomach or you know really clear the sinuses. Right. And we, yeah. Well, you guys, so Infused Spirits, based here in Los Angeles, they've got their bourbon, they've got their rye, they've got their castrins, they've got infused vodkas, they have bitters. So be sure to check out and support your local spirits providers, yes. as it were. Yes. Let's give it up for MC Spirits. Thanks for coming Thank in tonight. Thank, Thank you, Seth. Thank you for having us. Really right on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs>